Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. This is the month of wonder. And so we ought to turn our attention on this last Sunday of the month to the miracles of Jesus. Listen now to one such miracle from the 8th chapter of Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 26th verse. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. When he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. Then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. He would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him. They pleaded with him not to order them to go back into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. When those who tended the pigs saw what had happened, they came to, they went away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. And they were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. And then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes, and they asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So Jesus got into the boat and returned across the lake. The man from whom the demons had gone begged to come along with Jesus as one of his disciples. Jesus sent him away, saying, return home and Tell the story of what God has done for you. So he went throughout the city, proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. That is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Five loaves and two fish. You know that story, don't you? Thousands of people got fed that day. A man born blind is given his sight. Someone afflicted with leprosy is healed, entirely healed. Lazarus, dead. Until Jesus arrives, and then he lives. And while it is still in the middle of the lake, Jesus gets out of the boat and walks on top of the water. Those are just a few of the miraculous stories from our Gospels, actions of Jesus that contradict what we know is possible according to the laws of nature and physics. These stories, I would guess, elicit basically the same response from most of you, which is, I don't really think so. No. No. And many of you believe that Jesus was a very special, a truly unique human being, but not one capable of miracles. Now, if you think that way about Jesus, I want to tell you this morning, you are in the best kind of company. Most Jews think that way about Jesus. Most Muslims think that way about Jesus. Even most atheists and agnostics believe that Jesus was a truly good human. The most theologically rigorous, perhaps, of America's founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, he carved up his Bible, remember, believing that Jesus was a profound ethical teacher. Albert Schweitzer, Ernst Casemann, John Crossan are scholars who have searched to find the historical Jesus. Each one whittles away what they find to be unbelievable so as to find the human one, Jesus. So today, as we talk together about miracles, I want to affirm first the integrity of this Position. Jesus is a great ethical teacher and leader of people. He resisted the oppressive, violent ideology of the Roman Empire. He created inclusive communities of resistance and mutual caring. He modeled a boundary-breaking love of self and neighbor. For any of us, to choose to live according to the teachings of Jesus takes extraordinary self-awareness and strength and courage. And yet, and yet there is no biblical testimony about Jesus, the good guy. The biblical texts are all about Jesus, who is also the Christ. Every book in the New Testament is written from the perspective that Jesus is from God and is God. Every story that we have about Jesus believes that the same power that is in God is also in Jesus. And so we got miracles. Lots of them. Right? Miracles. Acts of power that, that stretch our minds and challenge our sense of what is possible. Today I want to look together at one of these miracles. And, and as we do, I want you to listen and ask yourself, what is the miracle in this story for? What's the purpose 
that the miracle serves. The miracle is the flashy part of the story. It's the one that grabs our attention, but it may not be the point of the story. Instead, these miracles are often pointing to something else that you are supposed to see. So this story is great because there are so many outrageous and interesting details that pop out and catch our attention. So let's go ahead into the story. First, we have to ask, what exactly is happening to this poor man? We are told he's possessed by demons. This could mean he is experiencing some kind of mental illness. Each of you knows the profound impact that mental illness can have on an individual and also on the family and even on the whole community. In this case, this man, it is said to us, lived a long time among the tombs, naked and homeless. Many times his illness had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chained and placed under guard, but he would break his restraints and the demon would force him into the wilderness. This description should break any compassionate person's heart. This poor man is overwhelmed by whatever it is that afflicts him. He lives in the cemetery. He is like walking dead. People are afraid of him. Because of his violent episodes, he is chained up, locked up, but the people don't banish him. He's not sent into exile. They hold him where they can see him, where people can keep an eye on him. He is a disease, an infection, a deviant. He becomes a subject of disdain and derision and perhaps even torture. Now, a perceptive listener will immediately make a connection from our world into his and see the way that mental illness has been stigmatized in our own communities. We would have relegated this man to an institution in a previous era. Today, he would probably be in one of our many prisons, perhaps even in what is called solitary confinement. Contained, isolated, quarantined, kept under observation. If this man is experiencing mental illness, in this story, Jesus finds him in the depth of his suffering. And by Jesus' touch and by his Voice by the fleshly affection of Jesus' body, Jesus restores the man to health and to wholeness and to communion. By the end of the story, you notice he is, he is ready, this man, to follow Jesus, ready to be a disciple, ready to be an agent of healing for others as a member of society. What a miracle that is. If this story were only this. It would be a marvelous witness about Jesus' sensitivity to the impact of mental illness on children of God and on families and on communities. It would call each of us 
who love Jesus and follow Jesus to follow him into today's cemeteries, to the places where we have banished and isolated those who suffer. It would call us to create cultures of healing and wholeness. But I want to be careful, too. I want to be careful when we feel tempted to make a biblical story into something that feels somewhat familiar and manageable to us. I mean, we all do it, manageable. Manageable, when it comes to biblical stories, should not be our goal. After all, the heart of our tradition is a man who was dead and then rose again. It's not manageable, right? So this story does not exactly tell us that the man was mentally ill, right? What does it say? It says he was possessed by demons. Now, you may not connect with that language, but that was the language of Jesus' world. That was his reality. Jesus' world was full of spirits and powers. Jesus' world is animated by forces that are operating just below the surface of things. Some of these forces and powers are good. We talk all the time about the Holy Spirit, right, who moves often just below the surface of things. But the Holy Spirit is only one of, of many spirits moving just out of sight. And some of the gnarly and malevolent spirits were called demons. Now, as Luke tells the story, right, Jesus encounters a man who is possessed by demonic power. And the man shrieks when he sees Jesus. Did you notice that part of the story? This is the demonic spirit encountering the spirit that is in Jesus. This is, as, as my son James will sometimes say, this is game recognizing game. When the demons in the man see Jesus... They recognize in him a power that is stronger than they are. You know this is true because they know his name, a sign of respect to a greater authority. They say, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. And Jesus asks the demon's name, and the response is legion. That's a funny name, isn't it? It's the name of a Roman army battalion. A legion is a, a collection of 5,000 or so soldiers. Legions were the ones that enforced the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Peace by violence, peace at the end of a sword, peace by threat of terror. Well, now all of a sudden, this encounter is not only about mental illness, is it? In 66 CE, Josephus, the historian, notes that the Roman army, as part of a campaign to suppress rebels, the Roman army brutalized the people of a town called Gerasa. The same town that Luke says where there lived a man terrorized by demons 
calling themselves legion. So this exorcism, this casting out of demonic powers, is not only a story about the miraculous healing affected by Jesus' profound compassion and mercy that reintegrates a man back into the community from which he has been cast out. It is also, it seems, an encounter between the power of God to make peace through love and the power of the empire to make peace through occupation and fear and violence. So now you really should be wondering what is the miracle in the story? Is it that a man who was sick is made well? Is it that a man who was demonized and ostracized by the whole community is humanized and woven back into the fabric of that community again? Or is the miracle that that fear and domination and the threat of violence that rules the day are driven out by a fearless kind of love? Now, when I began my remarks today, I said that Many of you struggle with the believability of Jesus' miracles. And you may have observed, as you were listening to the gospel, that the people of the story struggle with miracles too, but not over whether they believe in miracles. They've seen it with their own eyes, most of them, or heard it firsthand. Their struggle is whether they have any room in their life for miracles like this. You heard that part of the story, didn't you? Right? After the man is healed and the demons who have terrorized him are dispatched into some pigs who plunge into the water and drown, the word of Jesus' miracle gets out. And people, of course, they flock to see for themselves. They hear the story about the man who was tormented and and Jesus is casting out the demons and the pigs. And when people learn about this, they are unhappy. Which kind of surprises me. Why, Why would they not rejoice that this poor man so long tormented has been restored? In fact... They are not only displeased by what Jesus has done by casting out the demons, they are afraid. Afraid. Why would a miracle of grace and healing make them afraid? Could they be afraid? To find out there is now a power for good in their midst that they cannot control, that is greater than the power of evil in their midst that they have learned to live with. The good they cannot control appears to them scarier than the evil they think they are managing. If you think this story is about a strange ancient place called Jurassa and about parochial things like demons that we are too sophisticated to believe in anymore, if you think this is not a story about Decatur 
about DeKalb County, about Georgia, about these United States, if you think this story is not about you and me and how we have also made peace with the evil that we know, guess again. We have made our peace with so many demons. If there is someone in your life to whom you know you owe an apology, and for some reason you have withheld that apology until now, perhaps you have made peace with a demon. If there is someone whose behavior in your intimate circle is hurting you, they're they're, they're bullying you, they're harassing you intentionally or unintentionally, and you have not drawn it to their attention and called them out, maybe, maybe you've made peace with a demon. If there is a gap in your life between what you say you believe and how you are living your life, maybe you have made peace with demons. And for all of us to live in a world in which beloved children attend something called a failing school, have we not all made peace with demons? To live in a world in which, in which companies can create disposable plastic crap and then leave the environmental cost to the rest of us, we've made peace with the demons. A world that incarcerates people rather than seek their healing has made peace with the demons. A world in which the color of your flesh determines your wealth, your education, your life expectancy, and your likelihood to be in jail has made peace with the demons. A world in which we spend billions and billions and billions of our dollars on useless weapons instead of on homes and health care and education. Well, you know. So tell me you don't believe in demons. Tell me that this story is archaic. I don't think so. The truth is that we have made peace with demonic forces that have made their home with us. So long as as their demonic powers wreak their worst havoc on other people, we've decided we can live with them. And then, all of a sudden, this guy Jesus comes poking around. And all of a sudden, He is listing your demons by name. And not only does Jesus know the names of our demons, he has the power to call them out. He is saying to you, a different life is possible for you. The new creation is here. It is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Love is the way. But you have to let go of the demons. And you and I, we see the power of God. We see the power of its goodness. Set loose in the world around us and there for us to grasp. And you and I 
get upset about the pigs. We do. We, we start counting the cost of that life. We think about all of the things in our world that would have to change if we lived without these demons we've come to know. This man comes poking around here, this Jesus, poking in our business, and we start defending our life with the demons with whom we've made our peace. And we tell Jesus, get lost. Get lost. Oh, I wonder if we haven't been telling Jesus to get lost for years now. But what if we stopped today? What if we invited Jesus to stay? What if we invited the one who is not intimidated by any demon, the one who calls them by name, who calls them to come out? What if we stopped being afraid of the life of justice love, the life that is truly life? What if we said, get out to the demons and invited Jesus to stay? You might call that a miracle. When the power of God shows itself to you and you see that that power is greater and much more beautiful than any of the lesser powers with which you've made your peace, seeing and receiving God's power into your life is a miracle. Miracles happen. They happened back then and they are happening even today let the people say amen